You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testerman. This is episode 19, brought to you by Kickstarter backer, Carrie Harris. Chapter 13. I know what you've been doing, Vicus, said someone Calliope couldn't see. Above her, Vicus scowled in the direction of her feet. You've been trying to do your job while staying away from me because you know what will happen if you don't. Walker slid into view above Calliope, his gun still leaking a thin line of smoke that somehow reminded Calliope of Vicus's cigar. You know what you owe me. Vicus's face twisted. I don't owe you anything. Walker made a dismissive gesture with his empty hand. Fine, you know your oath, sworn to me for services. He smiled, his face stretching. Rendered. Vicus looked away, but Walker continued. You know its conditions, and you knew what I would ask of you should we cross paths. Walker's expression was bitter. I'm tired of this game. I want it to end. Then you want everything to end. Vicus's voice was a growl. Stagnate and rot. Yes. Walker's voice snapped at the air. If that's the only way to break this cycle, I want it dead on the vine. I'm not going to let this one... His hand chopped down at Calliope, or anyone else reached the effigy. Because you've given up. Ficus spat the words out. You lost your faith before you ever rejected your nature. This role has always been my nature, my calling, and my desire. Walker looked down at Calliope through what seemed to her to be a long, dark tunnel. This time, let's say I'm investigating more permanent solutions to the problem. Plus, the disagreeable bitch had it coming from minute one. He tucked the gun away within his coat and looked up at Vicus. Now, pick her up and let's go. Vicus turned his gaze on Walker, and for a moment, it seemed as though he would leap over Calliope to get to the man. Instead, he seemed to deflate, bending down and easing his arms under her. Vicus. Calliope heard another voice say, After a few seconds, she realized it was hers. Whoa. I sound bad. Quiet, Callie, Vicus murmured. Save your strength. Vicus, don't have to do this. Vicus closed his eyes, his face gone slack and sourful. I do, Callie. I tried to stay clear of him, but... He shook his head and opened his eyes. I have to do this. Calliope didn't understand. The room was starting to spiral away, but she focused her attention down to her left hand and clutched at Vicus's sleeve. Her eyes locked onto Vicus's own. Oh, you don't. Vicus frowned, his eyes first scanning her face, then growing unfocused, as if searching within for some dark thing they could not find. I don't. His eyes returned to Calliope. That's not possible. Get that bitch up and let's go, cousin. Walker was suddenly looming over them, the V's of his face pulled down and bitter. 
I'm not going to... To Calliope's shock-addled perception, it seemed as if Vicus flickered. One moment kneeling over her, the next standing, motion compressed between two heartbeats, effortless as a hummingbird's wing beat. But the sound that echoed through the cavern as Vicus's hand shot out and clamped around Walker's throat, like a baseball bat swung into a side of beef, conveyed violent momentum. Walker's feet swung away from the floor as he dangled from Vicus's outstretched arm. What are you doing? Walker choked out, his hands scrabbling at Vicus's arm. Whatever I like, apparently. Vicus's lips drew back and back into something that could never be called a smile. His arms swung in an arc, and Walker flew across the cavern. Calliope didn't hear him land, but the goblins all made an impressed noise. Vicus's face loomed over hers again, and she was floating in the air, held aloft by his arms. Her shoulder was starting to hurt, but none of his movements seemed to jar her. Solid, she thought. He's solid. She tried to smile her thanks up at him, but when she saw his expression, the movement died on her lips. Whatever Vicus was feeling at that moment, Calliope was absolutely sure it wasn't gratitude. There were rules. Vicus slipped through the goblin tunnel like fear in the veins of a coward, unstoppable and bound to break out onto the surface before long. There were very set rules for all the hidden things. The king's minions scoured their lair for him, but they were creatures of darkness, dependent on scent and sound to track their prey, and he was what he was. The tunnels filled with the scents of roasting peanuts and stale cotton candy. Cheap, tinkling organ music echoed from the walls. Respect the songs of power. No blasphemy. All oaths to be honored. Vicus scowled, glancing down at the woman cradled in his arms. She knew. It was right in her eyes. The thought filled him with a kind of sick rage. Oi! Who goes there? One. They only put one on the exit. Vicus smiled, the corners of his mouth stretching back and back and back as his jaw opened. Too wide. Too many teeth. The goblin's screams alerted its brethren, but by then, it was far too late. Morning sun pushed in through the curtains of a motel room. Calliope blinked grit from her eyes and tried to focus. She shifted slightly, and agony speared through her right side. The pained hiss of air through her teeth drew movement out of the shadows in the corner of the room. Straining, Gritting her teeth, Calliope could raise her head and make out Vicus's hunched form leaning forward in a chair. His hood was raised. How are you feeling? he said. Calliope settled back into the pillow, trying not to jostle anything too hard. I... She tried to take a deeper breath, thought better of it. Her entire right side felt stiff and constricted. I'm awake, and I hurt like hell. Good. He stood up and walked over to the side of the bed so that she could see him without moving. With the window behind him, he was little more than a silhouette. I figured out a plan. Calliope grimaced, smiled. Sounds good, she said. Let's hear it. A pause. Then, once we get some food into you, you're going to tell me what happened back there in the diner the first night. 
time seemed to slow down for Calliope. Why? She licked her lips to buy time. I mean, what's important about the diner? You were there with me the whole time. Was I? Vicus said. He hadn't moved. Calliope ignored the question. What's that got to do with Walker? Do you think he's been following us since then? She frowned, trying desperately to turn the conversation while keeping her face calm. He couldn't have been, could he? Vicus shook his head, moving the hood only slightly. He didn't catch up to us then. Then what? I've been thinking about it. Vicus moved away from the bed and wandered, first to the door, then across the room. Playing everything back. There are things that linger like a headache. Where you can have it on you for so long that you don't even know it's there anymore. It still hurts, but that's just background noise. Reaching the far side of the room, he turned and started back in the other direction, not looking at Calliope. It becomes part of how you feel all the time, until you don't even think about it. You just suffer. And when it's gone, sometimes you don't even realize it immediately. He reached the door of the motel room and turned back again. You maybe know something's different, but it was so much a part of you that until someone asks, how's the headache, you don't realize that you don't have one anymore. He turned and looked down at Calliope. I had something like that. Something I've been carrying around for a long time. He shook his head and looked away. It's gone now. I didn't know it until you told me I didn't have to listen to Walker. And I realized you were right. In the shadowed gloom of the room, Calliope couldn't read Vicus. That's... that's... good, right? Vicus's voice was flat. In the world I live in, oaths mean something, Calliope. As far as I know, nothing could have broken the hold that oath had on me. He was holding himself completely still, as though he was afraid of what he might do if he moved. I thought it through. The binding went away the night we were at the motel and the diner afterward. Vicus's head shifted slightly. Calliope could feel, if not see, his eyes on her. Something happened there, and I think you know what it was. From her pillow, Calliope stared up at Vicus. I don't believe that, she said. She could hear herself breathing, but not Vicus, and it startled her when he spoke. Excuse me, he said. The, the oath. Things don't have to bind you if you don't let them. Words are just... She started to gesture the way Gershon might, but a flare of pain from her right side made her think better of it. Words. Vicus did gesture, the motion of his arm short and sharp. Those are the sorts of rules your kind live by. My kind? Calliope forced herself a few inches closer to sitting position, hissing through the pain. I thought we were on the same side. I've got a kind now? Humans, Vicus said, his voice grating and thin. You walk in wherever you want, changing things to suit whatever it is that you think is true. His hand twitched. You twist everything until it fits whatever flat little image you have in your head. He leaned in toward Calliope. 
It's either arrogance or stupidity, he said, into the silence of the room, just over the sound of her breathing. And either way, you manage to kill off everything that doesn't fit. Tear it out and throw it away whether it mattered or not. What did you do to me? Vicus's voice nearly choked off in his own throat, and he leaned in close over the bed. I didn't do anything. I don't know how to do anything. The pain in Calliope's shoulder and side pushed up and out with each deep breath. Vicus's face was inches from hers, his breath almost like lemons and probably the only part of him that never smelled bad, puffed in her face with each panting breath. You don't need to know how, he said in a whisper. You never have. None of you ever have. But somehow, something happened and you were there. So tell me what you did. You died, Calliope yelled, pressing upward as tears ran down her face against any will or desire of hers, brought on by the bright white pain that was reaching up from her shoulder and scrabbling at her mind. You died, you fucking sociopath, and I made them bring you back, and I wasn't supposed to tell you about it, so I probably just blew one of the all-important rules that you nutbags follow and screwed everything up. Her face was bare centimeters from Vicus's. She could see herself reflected clearly in his flat black eyes, saw the bandages on her shoulder, saw the pain in her face, and the fear. Vicus must have seen it as well. He blinked, pulling back a few inches, then reached out and lowered her down onto the pillows. It still hurt, hurt worse than anything she could think of that had ever happened to her, and she hated crying in front of anyone, especially, right at that moment, Vicus. But when she was finally lying back down, she couldn't help but smile in relief through the tears. He turned away. I shouldn't have gotten you worked up, he said, still facing the doorway. It's all right, she said. Silence dropped down into the room, leaving only the echoes of the things she'd told him. Calliope didn't move until Vicus turned and sat down on the corner of the bed. He didn't look at her. What? <clears throat> he cleared his throat. Who did you... Who was there? Phagos, Calliope said, all reluctance gone out of her with her outburst. Some taller guy who never spoke. Copro. Vicus inhaled through his nose and glanced up at the ceiling. Actually, they're the same person. Sort of. Shit-eater. Calliope stared at him, surprised by the profanity. Wow. You don't like him. Vicus looked back at her. No, that's... Well, no, I don't, but that's not what I meant. That's what his name means. Coprophagos. Shit-eater? And the two of them are really one person? Mm, close enough. Vicus shook his head. He's very old. It's complicated. His eyes narrowed. What did he want? Calliope carefully did not shrug. He wanted me to promise him something I didn't have that he thought I might find later. He said he could bring Josh back to life in trade. Vicus's eyes were steady on hers. Did you say yes? Calliope looked away. I told him it would be okay. Her eyes went back to Vicus. I didn't know what he was talking about, and I still don't think I'll ever... Did you? Vicus said, each word measured out. Tell him. 
Yes. Calliope frowned. Yes. Vicus sagged within his coat. She thought for a moment, then shook her head. No. I don't... Maybe? Vicus continued to watch her face, and Calliope shifted her weight. It was days ago. I don't remember, but I don't... It's... Vicus cut off before the words could build to a shout. It's sort of important. Calliope glared. I can't remember. Okay, he relented. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. What did... He frowned. How did you make him... He gestured to himself. I made him prove he could do it, Calliope said. Vicus stared at her, his too wide mouth gaping just a bit. I would have paid many jelly packets to have seen that, he finally said. Calliope smiled, already beginning to tire. So, that did it? Fixed your oath? Vicus's gaze seemed to turn inward, contemplating as he blew out a breath. Well, yeah. He scratched at his green spiked head with a gloved hand. I suppose being dead pretty much voids the agreement. Never thought about trying that. He made a face, annoyance mixed with amusement. Of course, if I'd done it on purpose, it would have broken the oath, which I couldn't do, so... Calliope quirked an eyebrow. Your life is complicated. Vicus snorted, pushing himself back to a standing position. Is it... Calliope started. Stopped. Vicus looked down at her. Are you all right with it? He thought for a moment and nodded. Not exactly the way I would have wanted to go out, but yeah. It's weird, even for me, but it's all right. He shrugged. Nothing I can do about it now, anyway. Calliope watched his face. You were very brave, she said, then looked away when his eyes met hers. When it happened. Vicus blinked. Hmm, thanks, I guess. A small smile. Now I wish I could remember it. No, Calliope said. You don't. Vicus turned back to her, then nodded. Hmm, fair enough. He glanced around the room. Well, the goblins are out of the picture now. They already made a deal with Walker, and even if they hadn't, we can't go back in there until a moon has gone by, so I figure you'll have to rest up and we'll do it the old-fashioned. Calliope Jenkins, this is the police. The sound echoed through the room from the front parking lot of the motel. Ficus let out a growl that was the closest Calliope had ever heard him get to cursing and moved to peer through a break in the curtain. We have the building surrounded. You are to disarm and exit the building immediately, surrendering to the custody of federal agents on site. Federal, Calliope began, then grimaced. Cripes, you didn't kill that son of a bitch? I didn't have time. You were bleeding all over the place, Vicus said. He turned back from the door in the covered window, assessing Calliope. Can you stand up? Can you get us out of here? Maybe, Vicus answered. His eyes became distant for a moment and he smiled, though it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, I can. Calliope pushed at the covers with her left arm. Then I can stand up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. 
This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the Hidden Things. Thank you.